Welcome into College Football Live. We head out the tunnel on Tuesday with this week one. It is in the books and the AP poll is in. We've got the latest rankings. Who's moving up? Who's dropping? We break it all down for you. And after a lackluster performance against Indiana, does Ryan Day still feel strongly about his decision at quarterback? Hear what he had to say about the Buckeye quarterback room. And it was a wild night at Wallace Wade last night. Where did it go wrong for Dabo and company? And now you you know who Riley Leonard is if you didn't, but he needs some help with his homework. Professor Taylor, if you're seeing this, please let me turn in my homework late because it's due tonight. I think it's 12, so it may already be 12. Welcome to College Football Live alongside Greg McElroy and Sam Macho. I'm Kelsey Riggs. And guys, hopefully Professor Taylor cashed in. I mean, you got you got to come through for Riley Leonard after what we saw from him last night. Let's show you how it all went down because it was a big night in Durham as they welcomed in number nine Clemson to start the season off. We take you to the second half. Duke was trailing 7-6 and then out of the gate. How about what we see, Sam Macho, from Riley Leonard and his legs? That was the biggest game-changing play, really, of the entire weekend. You want to talk about big upsets. You got them, you got Colorado, but Riley Leonard did it again with his legs. They take the 13-7 lead, then later in the third, Clemson looking to respond, and this was kind of the story of the game, Greg. They would get down into the red zone, and then they were their own worst enemy. Botched handoffs, bad exchanges, a hit here on Moffa that resulted in the fumble and a big return for Duke. Clemson was without question their own worst enemy throughout the course of the night. Jalen Stinson took it back to the Clemson 33. Another red zone turnover for the Tigers. That is a problem. And then five minutes left in the game. Another problem. Cade Klubnik trying to get this offense going, but an interception again. Duke just too much. The fans waiting to celebrate this one. They don't have to wait any longer. Duke wins 28-7 for the huge upset. Here's Riley Leonard with our ACC Network crew afterwards. Kind of at a loss for words right now, but God is good, and uh, so is our defense. All those guys on defense should be sitting here right now getting all the attention. But God is good. I, I love these fans. I love these coaches. You know, just to see the school come together, celebrate after a win, there's nothing like it. So leave this as a place where we can really compete at high levels on the football field. And, you know, to me, it's validation that that's a reality. And, and you saw the crowd, you saw the field storm. Um, you know, that was a Cameron-type atmosphere today in our football stadium. And, and that's what we've tried to get accomplished since the day I arrived on campus. Which said after the game, this is exactly what he envisioned when he took the job at Duke. It was a 21-point win for them, their second largest win over a top-10 team. The only win bigger was way back in 1942 against ninth-ranked Colgate. You guys, since 1990, they were 0-28 against top-10 teams. But, Greg, what a statement to start the season off uh, like that in that fashion against Clemson. How big of a win was this for Duke? <laughs> Well, it's enormous. It basically now proves that Mike Elko can now go out, and you don't have to sell faith anymore. You don't have to sell, hey, I think we can do it. Now you can sell results, and that's something that I think most recruits will be drawn towards. This was an opportunistic bunch. It's exactly the recipe for Duke to find success. You have to find a game-changing quarterback, which they found in Riley Leonard. He's not just accurate with the football, but he showed off tremendous athleticism last night, including that big touchdown run that we showed a little bit earlier down the right sideline. But man, Sam, this was a clinic as far as being opportunistic, taking advantage of mistakes, and then cashing in when the opportunity presents itself.
last season, Duke won nine games. And this season, people were saying, well, what, what are they going to look like? And they've got a tough schedule. They've got Florida State, all these It doesn't matter. Duke has now shown that they can compete with anyone on a national stage. They've done it with their defense, creating turnovers. They've done it with special teams, blocking extra points. Then finally, they did it with their quarterback. I mean, from start to finish, Riley Leonard was dominant. Even before the game even started, I was in studio watching him do his pregame and the interviews and like, you, I, I could feel the energy. Like, I, I got chills just looking at his eyes. So he was, he was surgical with his legs. Then the defense would not allow Clemson to breathe at all. You guys mentioned that they won nine games last year. The year before that, this was a three-win program. So in Mike Elko's first year, has really turned it around now. Year two gets a big win over Duke. And we mentioned those top 25 poll rankings are coming out. We just got them. I want to give them to you guys right now as it relates to this game because Clemson was the number nine team in the country. They have dropped down to 25 in the AP poll. Duke was unranked. Mm. They are up to 21 in the poll. Greg, just your initial reactions to that. Well, based on what we watched last night, how can you possibly justify outside of what they did from 2015 to 2021, 2022, Clemson shouldn't be ranked. If you think that was one of the top 25 performances of the season in week one and week zero, if you want to take a couple teams into account who played that week, it wasn't good. Quarterback, wide receivers, offensive line, the defense was leaky at times. They did a couple good things on that side of the ball, but they didn't stretch the field vertically. Sam, I just don't really understand at this point how you can justify having Clemson in your top 25 based on the 60 minutes of football that we watched last night. Sam? Well, yeah, to your, yeah, to your point, I, I, I think the justification comes from the last, as you mentioned, 2015 to 2022. I mean, it comes from seven uh, ACC titles in the last eight years. But if you're going to base it to your point, just off what we saw in week one, then you'd be hard pressed to say they are a top 10, 15, even 20 team. But I think part of the rankings that you see early on are based off of history. Now, we'll also say this with Duke. I mean, 21, even seeing the way that they played seems low. With Clemson, 25 does seem low based off of just the history. But if you're just basing it off of one game, that's an accurate description. Well, I think the expectations for this team and this offense were so high. You bring in Garrett Riley. What is it going to look like with Cade Klubnick? And then it did not look good as you take a look at what it actually looked like for Clemson last night. I mentioned it was a 7-6 game at the half. They scored just seven points total. Their fewest against an unranked opponent under Dabo Sweeney. In the second half, they were outscored 22 to nothing. Second largest second half point differential for Clemson under their head coach Dabo Sweeney. Here's what he had to say after the game. An, an incredibly disappointing loss. Uh, that's honestly all my years of football. I, I've never been a part of a game like that ever. I mean, I've been beat. I've had my butt kicked many times in my career, but I, I, I can't, I can honestly say I haven't, I, that's, that's one of the strangest games I've ever been a part of. Man, I ain't quitting and I ain't throwing this team away. Uh, we're going to bounce back and we're going to get better. We're going to learn from it. They're not going to run from it, and I'm sure Dabo Sweeney will have these guys motivated about the rest of the season moving forward and proving that they are not the team that we saw last night, but it has been a couple of seasons up and down, a couple of down seasons for Clemson as you take a look at what they did from 2015 to 2019 versus the last couple of years. But let's dive in a little bit deeper about what we saw and what went wrong. And Sam mentioned the offense. There was a lot of excitement surrounding it. What would it look like? What was your big takeaway about what went wrong for them last night? 
A lot. And I would say everything, but I, more than anything, it was a lot that went wrong. Specifically, start at the quarterback play, right? Okay, so Kate Klubnick was off. You didn't love what you saw from the quarterback position. Then you go to the receivers, you're saying, man, there's no separation. Greg mentioned the fact that there was no really downfield passing attack. You saw a lot of the zone read scheme, but even the running backs, though they did have some explosive plays, you saw fumbles. And then you go to special teams, saw blocked field goals. So from start to finish, there was very little that went right. And it starts with the quarterback position, goes to the offensive line, goes to receivers. It's almost like it's a game where you didn't really – it's almost like, you know, you're in the preseason, Greg, and it's like, all right, you know, we're going to have that week one and all the stuff. And it's like, man, we haven't seen these looks. It seemed like they weren't ready for the opportunity. Well, I, I think the biggest thing that Clemson's always had at their disposal, they've had super elite quarterback play with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Cade Klubnick might get there, but he's not there right now. They're putting a lot on his shoulders. He's a little too quick to leave the pocket. He's a little too quick to rely on his athleticism and the deep ball passing attack that has helped Clemson to multiple national championships and several playoff bursts has seemed to go by the wayside. You look at what he did last night, 43 attempts. He completed 63%, which is not a bad number. National average is around 65. But it was for 209 yards, talking about about five yards per attempt. That is among the lowest in college football after just one week. So they have to figure out a way to stretch the field. And they have to figure out a way that when they get in the red zone, they can't have the catastrophic mistakes like they had last night, like the Moffa fumble and a botched exchange between a veteran of Will Shipley and Cade Klubnick, who was just making his second career start. So many mistakes for this Clemson team that cost them. Duke made some mistakes, but they were able to dig their way out of that and get a big win over a top 10 program. We've got more to get to here on College Football Live because speaking of big wins this weekend, how about what we saw from North Carolina's defense in the win over South Carolina? We are joined by one of the stars from that defense, Cayman Rucker, on the other side of this break. Plus, we promised it was coming your way. Here it is, a look at the very latest college AP poll rankings Georgia one Michigan two, Alabama three and Florida State up to four. Welcome back into College Football Live. Now let's take a look at this week's college football rankings brought to you by Chick-fil-A. And there is some change in the top ten. You see Florida State has moved up to number four. Bama up one to number three as well. Also, Ohio State has dropped to number five. That matches its lowest ranking in the past two seasons. Also, the biggest drops among teams still in the poll, Clemson. You see, you don't see them yet. Keep an eye out on where Clemson's going to be. LSU, they were in the top five at number five. LSU now down to number 14. And I mentioned those Clemson Tigers after what we saw yesterday. They are at number 25. Duke comes in the top 25, coming in at number 21, the first time the Blue Devils have been ranked since 2018. And also number 22, Colorado. First time that they have been ranked since 2020. So guys, a lot to react to from what we saw there, but we've got to start with Colorado because that was really the story of the weekend. Sam Acho, you were at that game. What do you think about them making their way into the top 25? I think it should be higher, to be honest. And maybe it's an overreaction, but the talent level on that football field was unprecedented. I was talking to one of the media guys up in the booth after the game, and he's a TCU kind of guy, and he was saying, man, if you just said who are the best athletes on the field, 
It would take like you to get to number five or number six before you got to a TCU player. Travis Hunter, the, the two-way star. Shador Sanders, two for 500 yards. Dylan Edwards, the freshman, the true freshman who had three receiving scores. Like this team is uber talented. And I think that win definitely put them on the map. They have more opportunities with Nebraska, Colorado State, than some bigger games after that. I think the biggest thing was just how efficient they were on offense. I think I look at the personnel. You knew the personnel would be a significant upgrade from anything we've seen from Colorado in a while. They have great athleticism at the skill positions. I think Shador Sanders looked extremely comfortable. And I thought offensive coordinator Sean Lewis did a really good job of working him into the game plan. Some short underneath throws and then... As those defenders started to get up a little bit tighter, he started to air it out and to allow his weapons on the perimeter to start to take over and to find some of those favorable matchups. Let's keep in mind, Colorado, prior to this game against TCU, had never had three receivers eclipse the century mark in a single game. In this game, they had four that went over 100 yards, including a true freshman running back. So it's a very exciting time to watch Colorado, and they'll be a very difficult matchup for every team in the Pac-12 and every team that they'll face on their schedule. There are so many questions about this Colorado team and what they would look like with all of these transfers coming in, and they have landed themselves in the top 25 poll after just one performance. Let's take a look also at another team that has moved up, and we saw a big game on Sunday between LSU and FSU, a top 10 matchup. Greg, what do you think about where the Florida State is at number four now, up from number nine in the AP poll? If you want to just disregard everything that's happened over the last couple of years, and I know it's difficult for people to do that, and we shouldn't overreact too drastically after one week of work, but tell me a team that looked better in week one than Florida State. And I look, I don't think LSU is going to be a complete juggernaut this year by any stretch. They clearly looked like they had some issues trying to run the football. Defensively, they had their fair share of concerns matching up with those talented wide receivers on the perimeter. But I would have a very, very difficult time not having Florida State at number one. That's no disrespect to Georgia. I just looked at Georgia, and I don't think they were as dominant against lower-level competition than Florida State was in the second half, in particular, against high-level competition. So Florida State, no one made a bigger mark on me this first week of the season than what the Seminoles did in demolishing LSU in the second half of that football game. The great thing about these polls is that they're early. This is week, we just finished week one of college football. So all these teams that are top five, top 25, not even in the rankings, have opportunities to prove themselves. I think about a Florida State, to your point, they looked outstanding. Keon Coleman, the transfer from Michigan State, the two-way all-star, basketball player and football player, had a few touchdowns in the game. I think about him and the impact he made, but also remember, this Florida State team is going to get a chance to play Clemson, a team they've lost to seven straight years to really show they, who they are. And so whether it's a team that's super low like Clemson or maybe really Florida State high, could even be higher, it's week one, it's week two. So all these teams, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, they're, even Duke, they're going to get a chance to prove themselves as the season goes along. It's going to be interesting week four when we get to see that matchup between Florida State and Clemson because Clemson's going to feel like they have a lot to prove in that one. Florida State was previously nine, not eight. This is the first time that they have been in the top five, previously eight, not nine, rather. First time they've been in the top five since 2017. So a big statement from them, as you mentioned, Greg McElroy. But Sam Ocho, 
What other statements do you think you saw this weekend? What else surprises you or really intrigues you about some of this movement in the top 25? Well, one of the things that intrigued me, not a top 25 move, but a shout out to G.J. Kenny from Texas State. Texas State upset Baylor. Baylor's a team that just a few years ago won the Big 12, and all of a sudden they lost. Look at another Big 12 team, Wyoming, or excuse me, Texas Tech beat, uh, lost to Wyoming. So some of those moves surprised me. But as far as top 25, biggest stands out, standouts are Ohio State dropping. I feel like they had a poor performance. Um, that was probably the biggest one to me. And then obviously Michigan and Georgia being up there and Florida State. I feel good about those. All right, plenty to break down from this top 25. And guess what? We will get to do it all again next week after week two, you guys, because college football season well underway. And we've got a big one that we will be talking about next week as well coming your way because it is going to be a top 11 matchup now. Texas still sitting at number 11. Alabama has moved up one spot to number three. Going to be a phenomenal primetime matchup Saturday. 7 Eastern on ESPN. Speaking of some teams that made moves in the top 25, North Carolina now up in the polls, up four spots to 17. A lot of that had to do with the defense that we saw from this team because, man, did they look good. They recorded nine sacks. A lot of that success had to do with Cayman Rucker. He had two sacks himself as well and five and a half tackles for loss. Eight solo tackles. He was a machine. And we've got Cayman Rucker here with us now on College Football Live, what we are calling Talk to Me Tuesday, the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week. Cayman, we appreciate the time this morning. So first and foremost, a lot of questions about your defense the last couple of years, and you guys answered it and then some this weekend. How did it feel to have such a strong defensive performance against South Carolina? Well, first off, I mean, just I was just glad to get the win with my with my brothers, man. And so obviously that was a great win for us. But I mean, I feel like for us as defense, man, we just took on the challenge just to just to portray like we have the ability to be a great defense. And I know it's just like we have a lot of things to work on. We still have some things to polish up going into this week. But, you know, just coming out with a dub and showing who the real Carolina was last weekend, man, I couldn't be any more prouder. Well, Kamen, meeting with Gene Chizik the night before the game, we called it, and he said, look, we're going to be better. And part of the reason why is we think that 23, 33, and 25 are complete massive difference makers. And then there's a few more, 10, 0, other guys that are going to step up that you're not 100% totally aware of just yet. He said they were going to attack, and I was going to let them pin their ears back. What was the message to you guys throughout the course of the offseason about getting more aggressive and becoming a defense that dictates – as opposed to a defense that's more bend, don't break. One of the things that Coach Chiz has really just harped on was to create havoc. And what havoc is, is just getting more sacks, more TFLs, more interceptions, more BPUs. And so, like, um, ever since that Coach Chizik came into this, um, came to this program last year, that's all that he's been worried about. And I know that this year, and especially looking at this first game, I feel like we did just that. I know we were missing interceptions from this game, but it just really shows how our defense has made tremendous strides in becoming a better um, unit. And, you know, that's kind of like all that we're focused on right now is to wreak more havoc and to make more plays. And I feel like we're going to continue to do that throughout the season. 
Kamen, we're calling you by your first name because we got to make your parents proud, your family proud, but you got a nickname called The Butcher. You got it as a freshman when coaches said you were as aggressive as a bowling ball of butcher knives. You look more like a, a, bold, a boulder, I think, of butcher knives coming at people this weekend. But the stats were crazy. <laughs> From last year to this year, you basically have already gotten halfway through what you were at last year with last year having three and a half sacks and seven total tackles for loss. What's the biggest change for you in the offseason that got you to where you are right now? Honestly, I'll probably just say confidence. I feel like me as a football player, also as a student athlete, is just like one of the biggest things that I'm so um, hard on myself and trying to be the best player and I can be. And of course, it's like with Chizik coming um, coming over here, man, he just really told me, he's like, listen, I understand you have a natural knack for the pass rushing position. And so we want to use that. We want to allow, we want to utilize that and put you in the jack room. And ever since I moved to the jack room, I felt a lot more comfortable. Um, it's allowed me to gain more confidence. And Coach Chizik really just put his trust in me as well as the entirety of the defense just to make plays. And so for me, it's just really just confidence, of course, getting to the film room, constant film study, and just doing that on a consistent basis. And I feel like doing that has allowed me to portray what I could really do last weekend. So I hope we just replicate that for the rest of the season. You look comfortable. You look confident. And I think a lot of people are going to take notice. I, I definitely give your performance a 10 out of 10 before you go. I need you to grade this for me because we got to see your coach celebrating win number 100 with North Carolina, <laughs> doing a little dance in the locker room. Came in. I got to know, do we think that he nailed the dance? Does he need a little work? What do we think? All right, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, okay, listen. I know Coach Brown, man, this is his 100 wins, so of course he's gonna get a little groove on, but uh, you know what I'm saying, man? You might need to work with the pass rush a little bit, get them hips going a little <laughs> bit, but besides that, hey, listen, I'm gonna give it a 10 out of 10. That's my coach, he deserves it, man. This man is a GOAT, um, living yep. amongst us, so, you know, hey, glad for that. I could uh, have a performance on his 100 win, but more, most importantly, I'm just glad that he is just again, solidifying himself and why he's in the Hall of Fame. The only coach with 100 wins at two different programs came in Rucker. We really appreciate it. Can't wait to see what you guys do the rest of this year. We're College Football Live on the other side of the break. Guys, the news out of Ohio State. Ryan Day says Kyle McCord is still the starter. Devin Brown going to get more reps next week. We will see how that quarterback battle plays out and we're going to get more reps and more talk on this tomorrow right here at 2 o'clock again, College Football Live.